welcome back to Gentle Man, redefining manhood in the 21st century. My name is Arjuna, I'm your host. Thanks for joining me for another episode, and today I want to talk about male body dysmorphia. This is a topic around which awareness has been growing for some time now, and it leads me to wonder whether this is something which is on the rise, whether more men are experiencing body dysmorphia than used to, or whether there's simply more awareness around it. My hunch is that a lot of this stuff has been around for a long time, and that with the advent of social media and also many campaigns focused on women's body dysmorphia, I have a feeling that that has also started to bring this to the fore for men as well. So let's talk about body dysmorphia. What is this? This is a description of a psychological complex in which a person becomes overly focused and you could say unhealthfully focused on an aspect of their body. Perhaps it's the way they look, perhaps it's their body composition, the shape and size of certain of their attributes, or in general any feeling that some part of the body is wrong or is ugly. So again, there's been a lot of focus around body dysmorphia in women, and that's due to many factors. Some of the primary factors for that are this huge cultural expectation for women to look attractive, to be beautiful, to conform to body standards of the culture. There's been a particular focus on the way that women and the way that women's bodies look. And there's been the assumption that the way that men look is not as important to them or that it's not as important in the culture. But studies are finding that this is actually not true. So this assumption that women are really preoccupied with the way they look and that society is really preoccupied with the way that women look and that it's not really very important for men, this is turning out to be an erroneous assumption. When you actually look at it, it's more even. The statistics are more even than you might think. So for example, one American study, and I got this from uh, the book The Adonis Complex, The Secret Crisis of Male Body Obsession, by the way, this is uh, an important book if you want to learn more about this topic. I would recommend checking that out. But this book cites an American study which found that the percentage of men dissatisfied with their overall appearance has nearly tripled in the last 25 years. So it's reached 43%. And that it's nearly as many men as women are unhappy with how they look. Now, again, it's hard to tell whether this is just a case of this actually there being a growth versus being a difference in reporting or being a difference in people being willing to open up about it. So one thing that you find often with men is that men experience a lot of shame around anything vulnerable, anything which has to do with them not measuring up in any number of ways, anything that might decrease their social status, anything that might make them look weak or inadequate in some way. So it's hard to tell how much of this is related to a difference in the willingness of men to report or even be really cognizant about the thought processes. I have a feeling that a lot of these thought processes have been around for a long time, but may have been more unconscious as well. And I think part of that is that we're living in such a media-focused age, and so people are posting a lot more selfies. There's a lot more screen time given to role models in general. Trends travel faster. 
And there's also a lot more opportunity for people to doctor their appearance and use sophisticated techniques to make themselves look different or look better according to what society's estimation of that is. So I think there are many factors that are contributing to why this may be more of a concern now than it used to be. I was actually reading about another study in The Independent, which is a UK newspaper. And this study actually found that more men than women in the UK were showing signs of body dysmorphia. So this study cited 54% of men to 49% of women. And I think one of the things that this might highlight is that whereas for decades now, at least there have been concerted campaigns to address body dysmorphia in women and to address some of the factors that contribute to body dysmorphia. And there's been a healthy conversation. I mean, there's also been unhealthy conversations, but there has actually been a lot of healthy conversation around the issue for women. And so I believe that we're seeing some of the positive effects of that conversation, whereas there's very, very little of that conversation happening for men. And so I feel like we may be in this moment where men are actually needing their own conversations and their own public health campaigns to address this issue for them. I suspect that once that happens, this number may drop for men. But suffice it to say, this is a big topic and this is a big deal and it affects many men. I might even venture to say that it affects most men in some way or another. So before I dive further into the topic as a whole, I want to share some of my history with male body dysmorphia. While I won't say that it is one of the main challenges that I've experienced in my life, I've definitely come up against it and have my own experience of it. So I remember this starting around the age of nine for me, maybe nine or ten. That's the period of my life where I started gaining weight before puberty. So you'll see this happen a lot with kids in general. Before they go through a growth spurt, they'll often put on a lot of weight. And so there was this period of time when I was pretty chubby which was really unusual for me because I'd been a very thin kid. And in general, the whole rest of my family has pretty slender body types. And so it was kind of unusual for me to gain so much weight. So a lot of my peers noticed this. And I was also, I was one of the older kids in my class. And I was also kind of an early bloomer. And so I started going through puberty before a lot of my classmates did. And so there was this period of time where I had been a really thin kid. And within over the course of a relatively short amount of time, I gained a lot of weight. And so I remember being made fun of by my peers for that. But then interestingly, what happened was that when I went through puberty, I grew a lot. And after a period of time, I ended up again being very slender, which is a body type that I have remained with basically for my whole adulthood. I've received a lot of attention over the years for my thin body type. A lot of people have commented on it with concern. I've also had some people, especially women, make comments like, oh, how do you maintain your slender physique? And it's interesting because my slender body and the ratio of fat on my body and things like that, I think fits well within the norms of what might be perceived as attractive for a woman in the culture that I live. So I think that there are a lot of women out there who might look with envy upon the body type that I have. But interestingly, it's not a particularly desirable body type to have as a man in my culture. I think a lot of men would look at me and think, oh, that guy's a weakling. Oh, that guy doesn't eat enough. Or give that kid a sandwich. All of this kind of nonsense. And so this is something that I've lived with in my adulthood and have had to contend with. And I'd love to say that it hasn't affected me, but it has. 
I've definitely gone through periods of time when I've tried to eat more and periods of time where I've been calorie conscious in the opposite way that a lot of people are, where I'm actually trying to fit more food and more calories into my day-to-day in an attempt to put on some weight, in an attempt to have a bit more of a substantial body, which is what my culture expects of me. And I've been reflecting on this more recently because I've been going through a phase of experimentation in the way that I present with my clothing and in the way that I am decorating and experiencing my body. I've been drawn to and wearing women's clothes recently and also looking for and excited about clothing that I would just describe as being more gender neutral. And one of the pleasant discoveries for me in this is that I've started to wear clothing that's more form-fitting and also clothing that feels like it was designed more for the kind of body type that I have. So the experience that I've had thus far of wearing men's clothes has often been that they're designed for men who are bulkier than I am, either men who have bigger muscles or who have more fat than I have. And so it has often been quite frustrating to find clothes that actually fit me. So especially shirts, I've often found will just hang on my body in ways that don't feel very flattering to me and in ways that I feel like aren't celebrating the shape of my body. It's one of the reasons that I haven't really gotten into fashion and clothing very much in my adulthood, because I often experienced this frustration of finding clothes that actually felt good on my body and that actually looked good on my body. In having this exploration of finding and wearing clothes that are more form-fitting, clothes that are designed for slender body types, clothes that are more forgiving in some ways, uh, also clothes that tend to be made with fabrics that are a little bit more stretchy, and also clothes that are frankly just more interesting, have more patterns and designs and color and variety in the shape. All of this has been a revelation for me. And I've found myself in moments where I'm actually excited about how I look. And I've found myself receiving compliments about how I look and people actually praising the style that I have, uh, which is something that never, never happened to me in the past. And so I feel like perhaps for the first time in my life, I'm in a place where I'm truly able to celebrate my body and to have that celebration witnessed and reinforced and validated by other people in my life. And it makes me sad to think about how many years of my life I have lived without that just due to gender norms and due to norms in the way that clothes are made and the expectations around which clothes are supposed to be worn by whom. So this has revealed a lot to me about my own body dysmorphia and about my own expectations that I have assimilated, that I have allowed my culture to place on me, which have been harmful to me and which have been held, which have held me back from my fullest expression. So there are some other topics that I could cover in terms of myself, but I'm going to leave it there for now. So now I want to get more generally into some of the most common dysmorphias that men experience and talk about them a little bit more. So the book that I mentioned earlier, The Adonis Complex, one of the key things it's focused on is male muscle dysmorphia. 
And again, it's hard to say for sure, but it seems to me like this is a really growing preoccupation that men have. I think for a very, very long time, there's been some amount of idolizing or praising or venerating the muscular male body. So this is certainly not a new thing. I mean, we can look back to Greek sculpture and stuff like that, which was even thousands of years ago, idolizing trim male muscular physique. So it's not new, but it does seem like there is a trend in the modern era towards working out and men working out and men being really jacked and men being really trim. We see this a lot in the movies. Characters such as the Wolverine, played by Hugh Jackman, Magic Mike, played by Channing Tatum, or recently Zac Efron was in a Baywatch reboot. Also people such as Dwayne The Rock Johnson, who regularly gets a lot of attention for his physique and his workout regimen, which is dedicated and extreme. So there's been somewhat of a focus on big physiques lately in film and on television. I think part of it is this explosion of superhero movies, like the Marvel franchise, for example, has just been absolutely exploding. And then DC Comics and other comic franchises along with it. And of course, a lot of these movies are trying to replicate the physiques of these impossible superheroes illustrated in comic books. And of course, it's easy as an artist to portray a character in whatever way you want to, right? But in real life, it can be really punishing for a person to achieve the kind of muscular physique, which is really commonplace to see in superhero comics. And so I think this is one area in which the media has really been driving this. As I talk about this more, though, interestingly, I notice that there's still a disparity between, say, the superhero movies that I watched as a child and the ones that I see now. So when I was growing up in the 90s, I remember watching Batman movies. I remember watching movies like Blade or The Crow, which all featured superheroes that were certainly strong and certainly very fit, but they weren't jacked in the same way. They weren't covered and just popping in rippling muscle the way they are today. So I wonder if the films in the current era are actually following other trends or themselves influenced by other shifts in cultural perception. I do think that social media has played a part as well. And I think that this one is particularly pervasive and pernicious because it plays into a lot of deep insecurities that men have. And these insecurities are layered atop of cultural expectations and cultural ideals that men have. So it's not surprising to see an idolizing of musculature in a culture in which men are expected to be strong. When men are expected to be able to do physical labor, or perhaps they aspire to get into athletics, and if they have some notion of being a protector or a warrior or some other physically demanding archetype, then it's understandable that men who are really big and who are really strong and who have really developed physiques are going to be considered attractive and desirable. Another thing this brings up for me is that men will sometimes turn to working out or trying to bodybuild in order to address some fears or concerns they have around their safety or around being bullied by other men. Or perhaps they have a memory of being bullied by other men and they want to bulk up to project an image of strength. Perhaps they were bullied a lot in their childhood, and so in their adulthood, they might be more prone to working out really hard as a means of projecting an image of being stronger, bigger, and someone who can't be pushed around. 
being heavily muscled commands a certain amount of respect. One of the interesting aspects of this is that I don't really see a correlation between men being jacked and men being desirable to women specifically. I don't really know what the studies suggest on this, so it's hard to say for sure. But my own anecdotal experience suggests that straight women don't particularly tend to be fixated on or impressed by really big or developed male physiques, or at least not in a really statistically significant way, and certainly not in the same way that straight men tend to be impressed by women with really desirable physiques, with really culturally desirable physiques. To me, it more seems that other men tend to be impressed with male physiques. So for example, you see the prevalence of working out and having a really toned body in gay male communities. That is a trend that you see. And I've read a number of articles and heard a number of stories talking about the pressure that some gay men experience to work out a lot and have really toned physiques in order to feel like they're keeping up in the culture that they want to be in. But you see this with straight men too. Certainly there are a lot of men who their friends or the other men that they hang out with or maybe men that they aspire to hang out with spend a lot of time working out regardless of their sexual orientation. So this can be a norm that exists in all kinds of male spaces. Again, whether they're athletic spaces, business spaces, academic settings, or just the group of guys that you've chosen to hang out with. So I think oftentimes men are wanting to work out and develop their physiques to actually keep up with and impress other men and to try to measure up to performance standards that are predominantly held and enforced by other men. Also because working out is a very strenuous activity and is connected with exercise and because there's a certain amount of catharsis in it, it's also been connected to pathology and trauma. Men who work out, especially men who work out excessively and obsessively, that tendency is often connected to trauma and connected to mental health issues. And some of those issues can be body image issues, and some of them are not, actually. For some men, body image isn't the driving factor in having a really punishing workout routine. It might be more that they are literally looking for a way to punish their bodies to have extreme experiences, and that the achievement of building a physique is a kind of victory against the challenge. It's a kind of prevailing against hardship. And so Working out can be a way for men to put themselves through difficulty and then prevail, which is often a trauma response behavior. So there's a lot feeding into this particular body dysmorphia, and it does seem to be in somewhat of an epidemic at the moment. Another really common dysmorphia that men experience is height dysmorphia. And for whatever reason, this comes back to a cultural standard which states that taller men are more attractive. Now, again, this one seems pretty literally connected to the idea that men need to be big and that bigness imparts capability, imparts strength, imparts having stature, conveying capability and confidence and importance through the very fact of the size and shape of your body. So I think there's some very basic animal psychology here as well. Oftentimes bigger is better in the animal kingdom, or at least bigger is safer. Bigger implies more of an ability to protect yourself and perhaps protect others. 
bigger implies the ability to do more work and get more done, to have a bigger effect on your environment. And so in a culture that values men taking up space and men having stature, anything that affects their size is a factor. And so height is part of that equation. Now, there are a lot of aspects of the straight dynamic and men's attractiveness inside the straight dynamic that I think are overblown or where more importance gets placed on them than is really warranted. But unfortunately, height is one of the factors in that dynamic, which is still very important. So whereas, for example, a man's musculature or how well-groomed a man is, or even how much money a man makes and stuff like that, I think while those aspects can tend to, to be inflated in importance relative to how important they really are in attractiveness, I think height is one which is not overinflated. I think height is unfortunately still a really important factor in men's attractiveness to women. And a lot of the women that I've spoken to about it will say things like, yeah, I know it's kind of messed up, but there it is. You know, I'm just, I, I, I don't want to date a man who's shorter than me. Or yeah, taller men are attractive and, you know, I can't do anything about that. So this is one area in which men can get tragically caught on the wrong side of their culture's expectation of them uh, and can often feel really trapped in their bodies, can often feel like there's nothing they can really do to change that aspect of themselves. And so shorter men often feel like they're living at a disadvantage. It really is a very unfair disadvantage as well. So it's a really damaging aspect of male expectation and something that I think our culture could do more to address. This creates a lot of distress for a lot of men. Another size-related male dysmorphia is penis size. I think this is one of the dysmorphias which goes into the category of sometimes less important to potential partners or mates than people can think it is. But it's still a very deeply ingrained and pernicious dysmorphia which gets foisted on men. And it's another difficult one because there's often nothing that you can do about it. I think that this one is similar in a lot of ways to the height and the muscle dysmorphia, and so I don't want to spend too much more time on it, but it's another way in which men's performance is measured, right? So the implication here is that the smaller your penis is, the less able you are to please, to sexually please a partner. And sexual performance anxiety is a real and deep concern for so many men. And while there are many aspects that go into this, penis size is one of the more visible aspects and one of the more literal aspects of that performance anxiety. And so when there's a part of your body which is physically not literally measuring up the way that you'd like it to, it's easy to get into a devastating insecurity around that. I would really love to see a shift in cultural norms about this particular one because I think it's been a bit overblown. And it's also something that often gets joked about, which I think has a way of inflating the notion of how important it actually is. Another thing that feeds into the conversation about penis size is pornography. So pornography as a topic and the use of pornography, especially by young men, has just been growing exponentially in recent years due to the internet and the ready availability of the internet. Pornography is rife with unrealistic and harmful images and stereotypes, 
And part of that is the normalization of seeing these men with these huge penises. And I think on an unconscious level, similar to watching a bunch of movie stars in these films being all jacked and huge, when you're taking in pornography all the time, and you're also normalizing in your life this experience of seeing these men with these massive penises having sex regularly, I think that that affects expectations on a conscious and an unconscious level. And I think this is really men setting their own expectations around this. I don't think that this is really an experience that women are having much of the time per se. And I certainly don't hear this topic really coming up in queer and non-binary spaces. So I think that that's a reinforcing influence affecting this particular topic. So another dysmorphia common to men is the whole conversation around hair and thinning and balding, because this is another thing which it happens to everyone, but there are these particular male balding patterns that are common in men, and generally men tend to lose their hair more easily and more quickly than women do. This one, I think, is less tied up in fundamental concepts of manhood and stuff like this. Uh, it's just, it's more of a physiological thing that tends to happen when people have more testosterone in their system. So I don't think this one's necessarily as psychologically rich as some of the other ones are. It's something that men are more likely to encounter and have to deal with. And so it's a more common concern among men. Now, there are some other body dysmorphias that men deal with as well, such as being worried about being overweight or having bad skin the size of your nose, stuff like that. But I'm not going to go into detail on those because I don't find them to be specific to men or any more concentrated in men than in the general population. But I do want to reiterate that body dysmorphia is something that's very common in men. And I think the time is over where we can paint with this broad brush and say, oh, well, men are less concerned about their appearance than women or than other members of the population. As far as where to proceed or what to do from here, as far as male body dysmorphia is concerned, there's no easy answer for this. A lot of working through this comes down to individuals doing self-work, perhaps getting therapy, talking with friends and family and loved ones, and perhaps trying to get some reassurance or get a different and perhaps a little bit more realistic perspective on the situation. Sometimes people can get really, really stuck in this and they can get really stuck in their own heads around the impact of perceived dysmorphias and kind of how important it really is. And I want to be clear that I'm not trying to diminish the suffering that people go through around dysmorphias or to say that it's an illegitimate thing or to in any way minimize the gravity of the experience that dysmorphia can be for a lot of people. But one of the fundamental aspects of dysmorphia is that it's often somewhat of a distorted view or like any other insecurity, it can often get inflated in the mind beyond the reality of what it actually is. There are doctors and people in the psychiatric and psychological fields that specifically work with people with body dysmorphias. So there are a number of professional tools and methodologies that can be applied, which can really help people struggling with this. I think the deeper issue that really needs to be addressed is the underlying societal expectations for men 
and for people and bodies in general, until basic attitudes and assumptions about how people are supposed to be get addressed and changed, people will continue to suffer from body dysmorphia. I do think that we need to have more public health campaigns targeted at men. I think that's a great place to start in addressing this. And it's very intersectional. So I think any work around self-image, self-esteem, self-empowerment, self-love, inclusivity, queer work, even religious work, spiritual work, community building and feeling less alone, whatever efforts that men are otherwise making to improve their lives or feel better about themselves, I think will have an overlap into this area. So our self-images are very intersectional with other aspects of our lives. But I do recommend, if you are someone who's struggling with body dysmorphia, I do highly recommend talking with somebody about it. Maybe some ones, multiple people about it, maybe a lot of people about it. I think that one of the places that men in particular get hung up is in communicating about difficult stuff such as this. And I think that can really make the difference in outcomes and where people end up with their body dysmorphia. When you're having an issue in your life and you're bottling it up and you're keeping it to yourself, it can really eat away at you. And it can also prevent you from doing the work and taking the steps necessary to change your relationship with that thing. So men specifically need to make sure that they're communicating about body challenges and having an emotional process around it and having it be a relationship instead of a sentence, a life sentence. When things are in conversation, they tend to be more flexible. They tend to be more fluid. You can get different perspectives on things. You can have epiphanies. You can reframe things. Or sometimes you can discover an underlying cause. Like, for example, I was talking about how some men will work out because of bullying or because of some kind of other insecurity in their lives. And so oftentimes if you address the underlying insecurity or the underlying trauma or challenge, then the body dysmorphia, which has been stacked on top of that, will naturally fade. So that's just one of the reasons why talking about it with friends or with a professional can be so important. And I've personally spoken with so many women who've had various body dysmorphias in the past who have successfully worked through them. And that was often done with the help of professionals. So it really is something that can be addressed and worked on. So in closing, I want to share a few reminders because sometimes we can get so stuck in our heads that we can forget that we're actually living in somewhat of a distorted reality. So the first reminder is that the world and especially the internet is full of advertising, which is specifically trying to reinforce body dysmorphia in all people. Every day on social media, I see advertisements for products like HIMSS, products that prevent male balding or ostensibly prevent or slow male balding. There are so many companies out there that have a vested interest in making you feel terrible about yourself. So I want to remind you to keep an eye on that and to keep an eye on the information that's coming in through advertising. Most of the time, it is really not in your best interest. I want to remind you that everybody has a body and that each body has its own idiosyncrasies and you'd be hard pressed to find someone who doesn't have some kind of harsh negative judgment about their body and how it looks or how it feels or how it functions. So for anyone struggling with this at the moment, I just want to remind you that you're not alone. This is a almost universal human experience. And just like with so many insecurities, things that might seem so apparent to you and so big to you and so obvious to you might not even get noticed by other people. And even if they do get noticed, it just might not be that big of a deal. I want to remind you that 
whatever it is that you are struggling with, there are probably millions of other people in the world who struggle with that same thing as well. I want to remind you that other people's opinions of you are often more based on their own insecurities and their own challenges in life. And so chances are if someone has bullied you or picked on you for some aspect of yourself, it's probably because they themselves were struggling with their own dysmorphias or their own insecurities. I want to remind you that all bodies are beautiful, including your own. Your body is a precious gift to you and it is a precious gift to the world. And it is beautiful exactly the way it is. No one can take that away from you, not with their judgments, not with their bullying, not with their jokes or comments. And each one of us is walking their own path towards wholeness and healing and self-love and self-acceptance. Thank you for joining me for another episode of Gentleman, and I will catch you next time. <laughs>